At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in to deep end of the pool with the back of back guys here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald hanging with you for the next couple of hours. Got a couple of guests coming your way. We'll give you details on that in a second. But Johnny Mac, since last we spoke some 22 hours ago, there has been a couple of things that have come down with the Eagles. Uh, one, an actual roster transaction and one a rumor about a possible transaction that has since gone by the boards because the guy we referenced yesterday has found a new landing spot for his NFL career. Could it have been Philadelphia? (laughs) We'll talk about that, uh, but we know that it's Indianapolis for former MVP of the Super Bowl, uh, Nick Foles. Uh, Yes, shortly after we got off the air, and uh, I referenced Nick Foles yesterday because there were reports out there that the uh, Colts and Nick Foles were close to uh, consummating a free agent <coughs> deal. Well, that deal got done yesterday, a two-year contract. So once again, Nick Foles will be replacing Carson Wentz, a little less direct way than happened here in Philadelphia. Uh, but shortly thereafter, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, decided to uh, add a little fuel to the fire by saying, yes, the Eagles were involved in Nick Foles' free agency this offseason. He didn't go into deep detail as to what involved meant, which inquiring Eagle fan minds want to know. 
but at least they checked in on Nick Foles, Howie Roseman doing his due diligence as the general yeah. manager of the Eagles. You don't really think they were going to go back down that road again, do you? I, I, I'll tell you this. First of all, I want to thank Howie Roseman for always keeping it interesting. Uh, <laughs> we got, we're, we're birds 365, right? We got to have a lot of these teams go into hibernation this time of year. Not the Eagles. Not the Eagles, baby. And we'll talk about Jimmy Moreland in a bit. But um, as far as Nick Foles goes, look, Howie's famous and he likes to be famous for checking in on everybody. Here's an indi- here here here's the exception to the rule. Don't check in on Nick Foles, Howie. Don't don't do it. Don't go down that road. I said 32 teams want him, and it, it it's not quite 32 because obviously Chicago is not going to want him. Jacksonville. Um, for for other reasons, but to be a backup quarterback, fine, no issues whatsoever. On this particular team, you you're nuts, you're nuts to even pick up the phone. And you know, I did look into it after Jeremy's report. It was more of well, if they could move Gardner Minshew, so a lot of points, and and then they would have considered bringing him back. So I don't think it ever got anywhere. But don't even mention it don't even say it do you know you have an evolving young quarterback and one thing about the eagles with jalen hurts look they were looking for an upgrade but they wanted an upgrade that was a superstar upgrade basically russell wilson or deshaun watson or nothing else and there are tons of other quarterbacks that have been out there or are out there they have been had an inkling of the jimmy garoppolo's of the world uh, the Baker Mayfields of the world, who you could argue are nominal upgrades or at least slight upgrades if, if Garoppolo gets healthy. Um, when Kyler Murray started making uh, uh, you-know-what in Arizona, they didn't budge, and that's a talented, talented player. I mean, really talented player. They haven't budged on anybody for Jalen Hurts. Now, you and I know if they bring in Nick Foles, it's to be a backup. But guess what, Jody? In this town, there's a lot of people. Now, I'm not going to say the majority, but there is a significant, significant minority that would think that's not the case. And I understand the Eagles can't think. They can't worry about the fans. I get that. If they think it's an upgrade, whatever. But come on. That's laboratory talk. That's what I always say is vacuum talk. You've got a young guy who's evolving. He's still going to have some hiccups. You know that, Jody. I know that. There's going to be some bad games. There's going to be a stinker thrown in there. Maybe it comes week two against Minnesota. Maybe week three against Washington. First thing. What is the first thing if Nick Foles is sitting there? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Howie Roseman, Philadelphia Eagles? Don't mention the stinking name. Don't pick up the phone call. You got a good backup. Don't pick up the phone. You got a good backup quarterback. This is absurd, this team trying to go back. And by the way, Jody, they tried to go back last year and get Nick Foles to be the backup for the third time. And Nick didn't want to come here because Nick's smart enough to know that he doesn't want any part of that nonsense. Nick Foles, and I I wrote about this in Sports Illustrated, Jody. Nick Foles saved the Eagles from themselves. So maybe he really is what that minority of fan base is. St. Nick, whatever you want to call him. He <laughs> saved the Eagles from themselves twice. 
He can't. He's not a starting quarterback in this league, Jody. He's he's played 10 years. The most games he's ever started is 11 in 10 years. Right. And he got about 16. He wouldn't return here as the starter. He'd return here as the backup. But according to the Folsian Society, and you are correct, they're not the majority of the Eagle fans, but they're a very loud minority, a dug-in minority, the first misstep by Jalen Hurts. And you're right, it could come early in the season. The Ewan cry would go out for Nick Foles to do what he did again in 2017, and the Eagles shouldn't want that to happen. They have led us to believe that they don't want that to happen. They want Jalen Hurts to grab the job by the throat, be their starting quarterback, be the guy that they are willing to give a contract extension to. That's what they should be rooting for, and that's what they say they're rooting for. Why would you even leave that door ajar? Why Why would you open it up a crack to uh, let a portion of the I'm fan saying. base get their foot in the door and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got Nikki Six on the bench. What are we doing here? Get him back into the game. 2017 all over again. It's it's absolute insanity. And, you know, it, it, and more so because I don't think it was, I think it was a little bit overstated this time. It was a bigger deal last year. They were legitimately trying to trade for Nick Bowles to be the backup quarterback. Um, and again, if they were able to trade Gardner Minshew, <clears throat> You know, perhaps it would have gotten more legitimate. I don't get it, Jody. I don't get it for, I mean, you know, and and Jalen Hurts, and this is the other avenue people go down. He's not Carson Wentz. He's not going to give up, you know what, if if Nick Bowles is the backup. He knows he's better than Nick Bowles. He's not going to be affected mentally by, um, uh, by those calls, by that small, uh, Bolsian society you mentioned. He's not going to be affected by that. That's my, not my concern. My concern is you also have a young head coach. Why are you putting that on this plate uh, as a second-year guy? And people act like Nick Sirianni is entrenched. He's not entrenched. He's not entrenched. In this town, in this market, you want to put that on the, on the head coach's plate? It's goofy. Well, you know, but, try to try to make things as easy as possible for your coaching staff and your players. Try to win. And for the most part, the Eagles have done a great job this offseason. And, you know, I, I, I joke maybe how he's feeling himself. And he's like, I can do what I want. I can stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And yeah. thankfully, it stopped because he signed with Indianapolis. And I don't think at 35, but who knows? They might revisit it at 35. Marcus Hayes uh, wrote the article about Howie being in a better power position than he's ever been before. And that very well may be accurate. I don't even think it's that, John. I think this is basic Howie Roseman 101. And it's the way that he's been since he wrested power back or uh, had it handed to him, whatever, however you want to state the maneuver from Chip Kelly to Howie Roseman. It's been the way how he goes about his business. A very wise Eagles beat reporter once said to me, how he always feels the need to win the trade. Oh, well, that's what this would be. If he could turn around and flip Gardner Minshew for a draft pick better than the one he got, 
a usable backup quarterback who came in and won a game for them last year when Jalen Hurts was hurt, and then to turn around a year later and get a better draft pick and potentially put yourself in a better backup quarterback position. People can have an opinion as of right now, 2022, who's the better quarterback uh, to step in, and uh, if you need a quarter fill-in, half fill-in, one game, two game, three game fill-in, who's better suited to do it, Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew? You can certainly believe that Nick Foles is that guy, but it pushes the dynamic of what could happen to the locker room completely to the side. You're looking at it in a vacuum, that this is the best football decision we can possibly make. But there were other ramifications. And I don't think Howie is taking any of those into consideration. He is looking at it at, at the way I think Howie often looks at things in a total blinders on football, best maneuver, uh, who can make the best trade and come out with the valuation on top. That's Howie Roseman. And that's how he always does it. That's why he at least investigated it. For whatever reasons, it didn't happen my point is, it's a good thing, Eagle fans, it didn't happen. Sorry to those of you of the Folesian Society who wanted to see Nick Foles Part 3 here in Philadelphia. It wasn't happening. It shouldn't happen. It's a good thing that it didn't happen in this situation. Yeah, it always surprises me. And you know, Jody, I use that term all the time, the vacuum. It always surprises me when GMs are, <clears throat> you know, and the best example in this town is Sam Henke. Um, and I always would say, no, we get we get what you're trying to do, Sam. There are other parts you don't get. And there's there you don't exist in a vacuum. And ultimately, you know, you have to get the approval of ownership. You have to get the approval of your partners who started getting pissed off about what he was doing. All these other sort of tentacles that come out of it. This is not to that degree, obviously. But yeah. In that vacuum, yeah, and let me spin off Gardner Minshew. I get a better pick, and maybe I get a better backup quarterback, and everybody loves him, and the fan base is thrilled, and they get their hero back. Yeah, that's great. Yay. You went through it with Carson Wentz. A different part, you know, again, I don't think Jalen Hurts would be right. affected the way Carson Wentz would be, but my point is you live through the real-life effects of, of – Drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round and what it did to a quarterback who you thought was good enough to pay over a hundred million dollars and give the largest contract in, in in franchise history at the time. That was your evaluation at the time. People can scoff at that and say Carson stinks now. He didn't stink then. That wasn't the Eagles' plan when they drafted Jalen Hurts. Their plan was, well, we got to pay the starter so much stinking money, who's going to be here forever that we have to get a cost-effective backup, and then we'll spin off Jalen Hurts. That was the original plan after his rookie deal started ending. Um, obviously, it didn't work. You would think you would learn about the real-world effects outside of a vacuum. Now, there, they would be different type effects here. Again, Jalen Hurts, different personality, different uh, mentality. Uh, he's going to fight. He's always fought, whether he's getting benched in Alabama or, or what have you. He doesn't uh, shrink in the corner. That part's good. Again, young head coach, um, pressure to win. All of a sudden, the expectations are are greater. We, you know, Peter King's got him number nine in the NFL, number four in the NFC. 
Boy, I started thinking about that, Jody. We have to get that at later in the show. There's just insanity to that uh, ranking. But, uh, you so. know, yeah, when I start thinking about because San Francisco's 10. Like, San Francisco's what the Eagles hope to be. I mean, that's what, that's what, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll have some time to get to that later. Um, I, it, this particular instance, again, Minnesota week two, Washington week through. You know, if they win, everything's copacetic. If they're yeah, four, four and four zero, nobody, nobody's going to complain anything. Right, everybody's happy. Yeah, but then even at four and zero, right? Then you start really getting the hype train rolling, saying, "Oh, this team's legit." But it's a poor, easy schedule. Then Arizona comes in. Then Dallas, they got to play Dallas. They go to Arizona. Then Dallas comes in here. What if they lose those two games? Same thing would happen. It's just nuts. And to do that to a second-year head coach, again, because of where we are and everyone says, well, the Eagles have added so much on defense. Everybody looks at this is on Jalen Hurts on the offensive side of the ball. This is on Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side of the ball. And and Nick Sirianni sort of skates underneath. For now, obviously, it's not going to always be there. That's a great position to have your second-year young head coach in. He's everybody likes him. Um, the fan base is happy. They've gotten over the flower issue. Uh, now he's the best coach in the city, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you want to put that pressure on his plate. He doesn't understand it. He wasn't here. Right. I, it, it's just nuts to me that Howie Roseman doesn't think there are real world effects outside that football vacuum. Well, the vacuum could uh, be coming week 11 when the Eagles play the Indianapolis Colts. We'll see if Matt Ryan stays healthy this year. That's one thing about Matt Ryan. That's one quarterback you didn't mention that the Eagles could have looked into, chose not to look into this offseason. He yeah, did move. no interest. And yeah. I think that uh, he will put the Colts in a better position to win this year than their former quarterback, a guy we know a little bit about named Carson Wentz. I uh, hope Matt Ryan's healthy for week 11 because if Nick Foles is a starting quarterback oh, and, and he, he finds yeah. a way oh. to beat the Philadelphia Eagles oh. week 11, all the Folesian society will be heard from. I told John you. I told you. They'll be Look, back. Nick Foles, you know, I've always called him Vinnie Johnson. Uh, the old Pistons six man, you know, if you want to use the baseball analogy in 2017, I said greatest closer of all time, Mariana Rivera. Um, we're talking about 2013, which was the 27 and two year and the run. That's it. That's it. He started, uh, I think 56 games in 10 years. Um, Jody. That that quick math, you know, you know me, math is not my strong point. But when you go to tens, that's five point six per year. That's not tough. Five point six games per year over ten seasons. That's not what they call a small sample size. Nope. And uh, in a seventeen game season, five point six is right about the one third. When your starting quarterback is only starting one third of your games. That's not quite good enough. All right, McDonald and McMullen here with John Burge, 365. Mentioned we got two good guests coming up today. Uh, Brad Spielberger, who was supposed to be on with us yesterday, late substitution. Brad couldn't join us, but he is supposed to join us coming up here in the next couple of minutes. Uh, he writes for Pro Football Focus and also over the cap. 
Uh, that's why I thought he'd be a good guy to get on this week. Hey, because- real quick, can I get one more stat in, Jody? Because I just pulled it up. Uh, Peyton Manning won 10 games. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different times. One, 10 starts, 14 different times, including 12 straight. 5.6 starts per season. This guy's winning 10 games. And by the way, it's a, that's a bad season, as I always said, because he won 12 or more, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 times. 12 or more. 10 times. Uh, if your point is Nick Falls is not uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. I no, got, he's not a starting I, quarterback. As much I kind of had that one already figured out. John. Well, I know you did, but some people in Philadelphia don't. Uh, I, I think even the Folesian society would well, not. I don't know about that. Nick I've Foles gotten, I've gotten he's better Manning. than Tom Brady. Cause he beat Tom Brady in the super bowl. You've never gotten that Jody. No, I've uh, gotten well, that. I've uh, gotten that. That 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 is truly an Eagle fan who's got to take the blinders off. All right, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds Three Sixty Five. Our buddy Brad Spielberger going to join us. We'll talk about the Eagles offseason additions and their cap situation. He joins us next here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm a professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, 
zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with Young Birds 365. We bring in a guy who's been on with us before, and he always uh, gives us great insight when it comes to not only rankings and ratings of players as per Pro Football Focus, but also the cap details, which some of us have trouble understanding. He's got as good a grasp on it as anybody we know. Brad Spielberg from Pro Football Focus and over the cap.com jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. How are you, Mr. Spielberg? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, getting all fired up about Nick Foles, Brad, which you know from you follow the Bears quite a bit. But, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, people are crazy for obvious reasons about Nick Foles. But there is a small minority that think Nick Foles is a superstar quarterback. It's the most amazing thing. And I don't think people outside the city limits realize, no matter how long it goes, no matter how many times he fails, no matter how many times you point out the guy's never started more than 11 games, people think he's the answer. It's amazing. You build a statue for a guy, and, and I guess, you know, <laughs> folks can't get over that. But I can tell you, like you said, I've been following the Bears. Um, not that he was ever the most mobile guy, but the guy is truly a statue in the pocket at this point, yeah. as well as outside the stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's probably not an answer for the backup quarterback position. Believe in Gardner. Believe in Gardner. And I, I was uh, on your Twitter earlier. Uh, the Bears even mishandled Nick Falls going out the door. We, we're questioning the Eagles' handling of Nick Falls, even talking about potentially bringing back for a third run here in Philadelphia. The Bears actually held on to him past the date where they lost more cap room because they thought they could eventually trade him. Give him the de- give us the details on that as the parting of the way of Nick Foles in Chicago went about as well as the uh, arrival of Nick Foles. Didn't really pay many dividends in the Windy City. Yeah, you know, I'm sure the Eagles had something to do with this. I'm guessing them and the Colts were probably kind of sniffing around and maybe making some calls. And so the Bears thought if we hold on to it up to the draft, maybe we can go ahead and get a draft pick for Nick Foles. So what happened was once the, the league year began in mid-March, he had a $4 million roster bonus that became earned. And once money is earned, you, you can't offset it. Um, if he'd been cut before that, this deal with the Colts would have been offset against that that guaranteed roster bonus. So they missed out on $1.5 million in a cap credit they would have returned back. I get the move and think you get a trade done, but I mean, look, there are two starting quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo still available. There are other, you know, high caliber backup quarterbacks around. I'm just not sure why they thought, you know, everyone knew they were going to cut him eventually. So I just don't think it was a good gamble to try to hold out for what a future seventh round pick. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, let's move on from Nick uh, for a little bit uh, and go to James Bradbury, Brad, because typical Eagles signing, you know, that first report, it's one year, a little over seven million guaranteed. Can it earn up to ten million? But we all know, we all knew before we we saw it. There's going to be voidable years on the back end, and sure enough, there were voidable years on the back end. And 
Bradbury's got to have a cap charge of, of $2.278 million for 2022. I saw you tweet the Eagles lead the NFL with $435 million in total prorated dollars. Next highest is the Saints. Mickey Loomis kind of famous for uh, spending with the credit card to $345 million. Kind of explain to the fans what that means. Yeah, so when you any contract you can you can pay it out in different ways, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles and, and the New Orleans Saints are, are believers that we might as well push money into the future and effectively use the salary cap inflation to kind of eat those dollars. You know it's going to go up every year. Obviously, you know besides the year where it went down, but um, you know it's going to go up every year. So you might as well just like you said, kind of use the credit card and and let inflation essentially kind of devalue that dollar. Um, it does also take an owner that is willing to spend a lot and be aggressive. And, and obviously, Jeffrey Lurie is one of those owners. And they have done so fairly successfully. You mentioned the COVID year where the salary cap actually went backwards. Nobody was uh, banking on that or saw that coming. So I wouldn't know the Eagles or any team that was doing future business that way against them. Uh, none of us knew a pandemic was going to hit. But how far out on the limb are they? Uh, it, uh, everyone understands the theory of how you do it. You just did a good job of explaining it. But then you have to take into account, well, is the player going to get for those up toward those voidable year? How long a contract are we talking about? Is he still going to be on the roster? If you can keep him under contract and he's still contributing, well, it's not that bad. If a guy all of a sudden goes bad and isn't worthy of being on your team and you can't even carry him and you can help yourself in that given year by cutting him, you take a dead cap hit money down the road. That can be a pretty big one. The Eagles are in a position that this could come back to bite them with the way they do their business, right? Yeah, it just tends to make things a little bit difficult on the margins. Um, you know, you obviously have these dead cap charges, even for a guy that you do keep. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox is going to have a dead cap charge and a salary cap charge for his actual contract this year because you got to get that new deal done. You can basically, if you extend the guy early enough, you can kind of keep those dead cap hits pushed out into the future. They did not get his deal done before his contract voided. Um, so they had to kind of take that dead cap hit and then still bring him back. You know, they're going to keep doing it forever. They're going to keep just charging the credit card. Um, I will say, too, when you have a quarterback making, well, like a, two million, one and a half million dollars yeah. a year, that kind of fixes everything, not to be too reductive, but that's kind of the truth. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, it makes it a bit harder to spend if you do, let's say, you know, Hertz is great this year and they want to go all in next offseason. They can still spend. They obviously spent this offseason, but it just makes that a little bit more difficult. Brad, uh, as Jody said, nobody could have predicted the pandemic and the NFL salary cap going back for the first time. How much did that affect certain teams like the Eagles and Saints who who do business the way they do business in the short term? And and using that Fletcher Cox uh, contract as an example, because you had that year where you had to take a haircut at certain points because, you know, it wasn't going the cap wasn't going to where people projected it to go originally. Yeah, How much like does that affect certain contracts? Sorry. No, yeah, like you said, and not a single team plan for that because why would they? Um, you know, what it does is the void year thing too is it's fine if you're doing it for younger players, but, you know, you look at guys like Brandon Brooks, now Darius Slay, who is still playing at a high level, but whenever he inevitably steps away, they're going to have some big cap charge for him. It just – once you're doing it on 30-plus-year-olds, you're basically guaranteeing that at some point in the future, there's going to be a couple million dollars allocated to a guy not on the roster. And so 
you know, again, it's not the kiss of death. You can get around it. It's just more about, like I said, if you, you know, want to be aggressive in a certain offseason or want to spend a ton, you just got to keep doing it forever. Um, and eventually, you know, the credit card bill always comes due. Um, and, and it just makes it so that you kind of are, are kind of always chasing this, this money down the road. One guy whose credit card bill is going to come due at some point, and it's not his doing, it's Eagles doing, even though the way it reported could make it look like or sound like, oh, what? Why would Jason retire and leave us with this major cap bill? They've been doing this with Jason Kelsey for years, pushing off down the road how much they're going to have to pay. Uh, he signed again this year, um, another contract extend, another year added on. At some point, Jason Kelsey's going to stop playing football. And the Eagles did well in potentially replacing him with their second-round draft pick this year. But how are they going to be able to afford the bill, which is going to come due when Jason Kelsey no longer is wearing an Eagle uniform? Yeah, I mean, he's going to have like an eight, nine, I think, million dollar cap charge, you know, when he's not there. And so you got to hit on draft picks. Like I said, having the jail, like Jalen Hurts working out is a massive benefit that if that went the other way, you know, that maybe they're scrambling at that point. And that's kind of the one scenario. Let's say they were trying to get a veteran quarterback in that market because they didn't have a high draft pick. It makes that contract more difficult. Um, you know, you mentioned that the cap drop, maybe. You know, they don't get rid of all those players, move on from Carson Wentz probably still happens, but maybe just like you said, kind of a roster purge, kind of start over there. And, and you know, they made the playoffs last year. I think a lot of folks thought they were going to be really bad last year. So credit to them um, for kind of knowing their roster better. And, and ha I mean, they did go, you know, one and seven against playoff or against winning record teams and, and kind of snuck in there. But I do think they outperformed expectations. But yeah, it just, you know, not to be repetitive, but it's just, you know, at a certain point, you're going to be wanting to spending money and going after free agents. And, and the only way you can afford that is if you keep pushing contracts down the road on the guys currently on the roster. And it just, you know, it just makes spending a, a complicated process. Um, it's interesting because in Philadelphia, Brad, um, Howie Roseman has the reputation of being a, a salary cap, you know, wizard, expert, whatever you want to call it. And he's got help with Jake, Jake Rosenberg and Bryce Johnston um, they're really good, it seems, and maybe you can speak about this better than me, finding sort of loopholes in the CBA. They seem to be ahead of the game. So address that first. But also, if, if I'm an owner and I'm going to hire Brad Spielberger and you're going to be my cap guy, what are you going to advocate to me? Do you Would you advocate the Howie Roseman method, the voidable years method? you know, not to be reductive, if, as you said it, it's far more complicated uh, or, you know, being more disciplined, not spending on the credit card, which, which way do you think is the better way to go? Yeah. So first they are, they're, they're kind of in a league of their own. Uh, you mentioned loopholes. There were two or three things they were doing a lot of that in this new CBA in 2020, they, the league basically closed those loopholes and you can kind of point back directly to Philadelphia Eagles contracts as a reason why that happened. So they are, they're scouring the CBA. Hold on. You got to explain that. What so was I guess one it example that the Eagles would be, were doing that the league felt they needed to change the rules because the Eagles were taking too much of an advantage of it. So I'll give you one example. So with compensatory draft picks, where obviously you lose free agents, you gain free agents, and kind of your net you know, benefit there, you can earn picks, whatever. So there was a previous rule where if you had an option year on a contract, 
um, and you declined that option, that player was still qualified to be a compensatory free agent. It was different than a cut, where if you cut a guy, he does not count in the calculation for you. But if you decline an option, which is basically the same thing, he would still count. And so the Eagles, of course, then just started putting option years that they were never going to exercise at the tail end of a bunch of contracts. I mean, maybe they could exercise it, but, but more likely not. Uh, and it effectively just made these guys compensatory eligible. Now a declined option on a contract is considered a cut as opposed to considered a, you know, a, a, a natural expiration of a deal. Um, and so you can no longer do that. So that's one example. There were other teams that did it, but they did it, I think, more than anyone else. Um, so, yeah, like stuff like that. They're always kind of exploring different ways to kind of maneuver around the cap. So, yeah, I asked the question of how I would go about it. It really is owner dependent. Like if you went to the Raiders, the Chargers, the Bengals, whatever, and said, hey, I want to be the Eagles. He would say, I can't afford that. I I'm not capable of doing, you know, what the Eagles are doing. So, I guess one example I like to point to is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They used to put zero signing bonuses and no prorated money in any contract except for rookie deals where it's required. But like Mike Evans becomes the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL has a zero dollar signing bonus because that's just not how they did business. And why it benefited them in the long run is once they went ahead and got Tom Brady, now they're prorating everything and they have so much cap flexibility, so much willingness and ability to spend in the short term and yes they'll have some dead money as you know down the road but it kind of you know there's always this stat they were the first team ever to return all 22 starters to their Super Bowl roster that was because they used to never push cap down the road and then now they flipped they're the opposite they're actually I think like the top 10 of most prorated dollars but so I would try to be a little bit more balanced a little bit more on pay as you go year to year and then kind of maybe chase a window if you think you have a really good team and want to spend around them. Then you push a bunch of money down the road. Um, you know, with the Eagles and the Saints as well, like if you have Drew Brees, if you have, you know, a Carson Wentz that you believe in, you should be doing that. Like, why not? Who cares about cap health when you have a Super Bowl caliber roster? The difference, in my opinion, is when, you know, you have Jameis Winston in New Orleans or, you know, Jalen Hurts, who I do think is getting better every year, but and you're still doing that, you shouldn't need to be pushing money down the road with a very cheap rookie contract quarterback. Mm, that's a uh, good read, I think, on not only the Eagles, but the National Football League in general. Let me then ask you this. Uh, your uh, sources around the league, you call when deals are done and how they structure and do things like that. There's a uh, big uh, story in Philadelphia this week that Howie Roseman may have a bigger power base than he's ever had before. Uh, the success they've had, the moves that he's made, Jeff Laurie maybe taking a step back. Um, what? How big a difference is it from team to team? <clears throat> their power base, their power structure. The salary cap is a big part of roster building with all 32 teams. Uh, do most teams just leave it at the foot of the general manager? He's always got to get the okay from ownership. You got to give Jeff Laurie a nod because, yes, he's willing to write these big checks so they can take finances down the road. What is the most common way that most people structure or the best way that people structure their uh, power bases in the NFL as per the way you've been dealing with teams the last several years? It's very different club to club. Um, I mean, we're not even mentioning there are some head coaches that are the number one guy in the building. And obviously they're not, you know, structuring contracts, but they basically say, hey, GM, hey, cap guy, I want this guy signed. I don't care what his price tag is. Go figure it out. 
And I don't think that's ever been the situation in Philadelphia. I know Eagles fans are not the biggest Howie Roseman fans. And, and look, at the end of the day, regardless of your structure, you have to hit on draft picks. That is the only way you can be a successful team in this league is, is being a good drafting club. And there is randomness and, and kind of luck to that, that operation. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the best dynamic is having a lot of powerful you know, figureheads in the building, having a lot of guys that have a lot of say and can impact and influence the way you build your roster. Um, I am a believer, though. I think the GM should have more power than the head coach. I just don't think that a guy that has short-term priorities that wants to win right now to, frankly, keep his job, but also just want, doesn't really care about value and the cost of players, just says, my scheme needs X guy. I just It's not a winning recipe, in my opinion. We've, of course, you know, Andy Reid does a very good job of it. Obviously, I guess Bill Belichick, you know, was kind of the GM there as well, but in my opinion, the general manager, because he has more of a long-term focus, he has more of an understanding of, of things outside of just X's and O's and stuff like that, not to you know insult head coaches, but I think the general manager should have more power than the coach, and that is not the case in a lot of buildings. Uh, there's been a, a lot of new blood in, in with GMs in the NFL. Um, Andrew Berry uh, you know, is one we got close to here in Philadelphia. Uh, but this year, uh, you know, yes, Quasi Adopa Mensa in Minnesota, yeah, Brian Poles in Chicago, on and on and on with the new GMs. Kind of early, so I don't know if you can answer this yet, Brad, but have you noticed a difference with sort of the new breed when it comes to contracts and sour caps? Obviously, we see it with player evaluation, but do you see – any sort of new age thinking when it comes to contracts and, and the cap and things like that. Yeah. You know, I think it all ties back into just kind of the landscape of where we're at as a league in that, you know, you mentioned Ryan Poles in Chicago comes in. One of his first moves is trading away Khalil Mack to the chargers. I think every team and it trickles down to the GMs, especially these younger guys is more honest with themselves about where they're at are no longer kind of chasing mediocrity and trying to go 500 and sneak in the playoffs and would rather be bad, pick high, and then hopefully be a contender soon as opposed to just trying to grind out a bunch of 500 seasons and maybe get lucky. Um, and I think we've kind of seen that across the board uh, is, is these new GMs coming in and saying, like, we're not the old guard. We're not going to kind of say all the rah-rah, you know, you know, taglines and stuff that people say. Like, we're going to be really honest with where we're at and we're going to be bad in hopes of being good faster um, and being really good, not just average. And I think we've seen that with a lot of these new guys. Yeah, you mentioned there's nine new GMs this offseason. So obviously still early. Half of them, I think, came from the Philadelphia Eagles front office. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's really just kind of a league-wide trend of just you know, a different approach to roster construction where the, being in purgatory, the worst pick in the NFL draft is the 16th overall pick. Like that is the worst place you can be, in my opinion. You'd rather pick first or pick 32nd, obviously. Um, but I think there's more, you know, tr honesty with that assessment. I think the Eagles were supposed to pick 16th at one point. Howie <laughs> Roseman moved around a couple times. I don't think they did. They moved up to get Jordan Davis, but that's uh, funny the way that you stated. I understand the point you're trying to make. I, um, do want to get your read on what's coming next in the National Football League. This offseason, we saw the added value to the top of the wide receiver market. 
You saw three wide receivers get traded, not even free agents get traded, but negotiate new contracts and take the average annual value to limits that we'd never seen before in excess of 25 million per. Uh, That's quarterback money. That's something we've never seen from wide receivers. So this year, the wide receivers became quarterback light in, in salary structures. Uh, We'll find out exactly how high is high when next year's franchise tag numbers come out and wide receivers are going to make a a jump like we haven't seen before. What's the next position that happens to? It's always been about the quarterbacks. Defensive ends got a lot of money, I would say. Uh, Number two, wide receivers probably moved into the number three spot. Is there another position that you think is on the cusp of making a big jump and you got to reevaluate what did the creme de la creme get paid at that position? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of agents make the argument basically when, when the, the position that their client plays opposite of starts getting a ton of money, they say, well, look, my guy is defending that guy. I'm, I'm obviously talking about cornerbacks right now. They say, well, my guy has to go up against <clears> that guy, and if he's worth $30 million now, then my guy should be worth, you know, whatever. So Jair Alexander with the Green Bay Packers did just become the highest paid cornerback in the NFL at $21 million per year, but – barely raises Jalen Ramsey's 20 million per year signed two years ago. Now I still think that position needs a true market reset. You know, it takes a, a good talent coming along. I think maybe AJ Terrell in Atlanta after this upcoming season, maybe tries to, to actually push it to like 24, $25 million per year. Um, there is concerns with kind of volatility, of that position they, they fall off earlier in their career from an age standpoint, there's more year to year variance in their play. It's harder to be a consistently elite corner, whereas a wide receiver, you can kind of be great year in and year out, year in and year out. So that impacts it a bit. But yeah, I think cornerback still needs kind of a true market reset. Um, what doesn't need a market reset, as Jody mentioned, is quarterback. And while 25 million used to be quarterback money, it's not quarterback money now. Um, we were talking about Jalen Hurts, Brad. It's coming. It's coming quickly, and you kind of mentioned it in a draft standpoint. Worst place you want to be is 16 of 32, right? What if you have the 16th best quarterback of 32? Uh, Maybe 13, 14, maybe a little bit above that. Good player, takes you to the playoffs, one and done, Pro Bowl alternate, time for an extension. That basically starts at $30 if you're getting lucky. Would you rather just turn it over? Do you see the NFL shifting directions and saying, okay, we can't pay that type of quarterback that much money and build a winner. So let's just turn this thing around every four years, become sort of like a a college mindset that we have to reload every couple years. I do think this is a trend that we're, we're starting to see already now where instead of kind of paying the, the Kirk Cousins, the Derek Carrs of the world, we're seeing, I mean, with Baker Mayfield and some of these teams saying, look, if he's not a bona fide top eight guy, let's just go back to the draft or, you know, make a, make a trade and go after one of those guys. Um, you know, paying that, that second tier of quarterback still, like you said, 30 plus million dollars. It's it's tough to kind of build a roster, a competitive roster around a guy that cannot elevate the talent around him. Um, it is. It, it's something we're seeing. And I do think of all the clubs that are going to, you know, could handle this well, the Philadelphia Eagles are the top of that list where, look, if he does not take a step this year as a passer and is not a, a clearly elevating the talent around him type of guy against good defenses, against good football teams, I don't think they're going to be afraid to say, 
look, we'll pay you, uh, and this is another kind of potential value, say, look, we'll pay you $25 million a year, which is now half of the top of the market like Aaron Rodgers. Hertz probably has no interest in taking that and, and probably shouldn't, frankly, because someone else will pay him. Um, but that, I do think, is this next trend we're going to see where they'll say, all right, fine, we'll go sign Ryan Fitzpatrick for a one-year $10 million deal. We'll draft the kid and we'll figure it out. Those middle-tier guys, there's just been so many unsuccess stories you know, I'm not to be mean to Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, but those those come to mind. Yeah, I think that is the big trend we're seeing now. Is in the past, if a guy was good enough or was a was a clear starter, he would just get paid. And I do not think that's going to continue to happen. Very interesting. We'll see if Hertz falls into that category or not. I you need to educate me here because I think I've got a pretty good grasp on the cap. Not like you, don't understand everything, but I get the generalities of it. Baker Mayfield is scheduled to make the money he's supposed to make this year. Last year, it was rookie deal. Um, the Browns have certainly shopped him. Nothing has come of it. Uh, teams are holding out. Either they don't want to give up the draft capital the Browns are asking for, and or they want the Browns to pay some of his salary this year. How does that work? We can figure it out in just general dollars. You agree to pay whatever percentage of the contract when you send them, then you got to pay that percentage of the contract. How does that work against the cap? How big a cost is it for the team that's moving the guy? If you're not just moving the entire contract with salary attached, but are agreeing to pay part of the salary, how does that all work? Yeah, so what you have to do is convert some of that salary into a signing bonus because that way it stays on your salary cap. Salary itself always transfers in a trade, but signing bonuses stay with the you know the original team. <laughs> so they would basically say, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll turn half of that $19 million into a signing bonus. We'll pay that out. We saw it with Ryan Tannehill when he got moved to the Tennessee Titans. Um, and then we'll send him over and we'll kind of keep that on our cap. So the Baker Mayfield situation, I actually you know had to be corrected on this. The interesting thing there is, we talked about offsets already. There are not offsets on his fifth-year option. And what that means for Baker Mayfield is whatever he earns elsewhere will be in addition to what the Browns have to pay him if hypothetically they cut him or something like yeah. that. So Double dipping. So, Love it. Love yeah, it. right. Exactly. The double dip. So, yeah. you know, in the beginning I thought because he had offsets on his rookie deal, I thought that would transfer to his fifth-year option because technically it's the same contract. And therefore, he would agree to go to some team, make a minimum salary because no one was going to pay him more than $19 million and kind of say, let the Browns pay me as much as they want because I hate them. And, you know, I want them to have this big budget. <laughs> so this big burden. So that's not the case. And so that's also what one reason I think it's going to be taking too long is Baker might be saying, look, I'm not coming to you for, for cheap. I want a you know, one year, $10 million flyer on top of what Cleveland owes me, you know, the $19 million. So that is, I think, one kind of interesting wrinkle to all this as well. Uh, he is Brad Spielberger. Follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Salary cap analyst, pro football focus, over the cap.com. Nobody does salary cap stuff better than Brad. I'll leave you with Kyler Murray, Brad, as my final question. You know, one thing the owners did really the past two CBAs is they closed up a lot of loopholes when it came to potential holdouts. There's not much players can do, but yet we're in the player empowerment era in, in the fact that guys have forced, not only forced themselves out of certain situations, but gotten to where they wanted to go uh, by other means. Kyler Murray's not going to show up for voluntary work, which is, you know, not normal for a quarterback, especially. Uh, but that's one of the things he he has in his pocket. 
what can he do really if, if, if Arizona just wants to play hardball? So this is a fun one. So, so the, what they change in the CBA is that if he does not show up for training camp, what happens is he would not accrue a season. So he would only have three years accrued seasons, which would make him a restricted free agent, which is interesting because if you're a running back or you know a, a less important position, that's kind of the kiss of death because the team would probably tag you even at a you know first round tender. No other team's probably going to trade a first round pick just to pay you top of market. The interesting thing is that the players could actually at, at quarterback in particular could actually weaponize that against them because let's say Murray does not show up. Let's say he plays, misses the entire season. The Cardinals can't just give him a first-round RFA tender because a team would do that, right? They would say, all right, we're going to sign Kyler Murray to an offer sheet. We'll trade you one first-round pick for Kyler Murray. So it's funny that it actually kind of goes the other way where they would have to franchise tag him in that season, and he basically kind of just skips ahead to a franchise tag, um, you know, well before he was actually, you know, scheduled to get a franchise tag. So it does hurt players holding out. It definitely, you know, hurts a lot of positions. But it kind of, in a funny way, it can be weaponized by the, the premier positions that know a club would trade one first-round pick for. Murray is a uh, exceptional situation. Similar question, different situation. Aaron Donald. Rams win the Super Bowl last year. On the field, he's even talking about retirement. The media member decided to take him there, but he did talk about it, talking about it after, before, after, all around the game while celebrating the Super Bowl. He still is planning on playing this year, but he wants his contract redone, as do most players, and a guy of his magnitude and status should get his contract redone. So the Rams in here are uh, talking about it. He's not showing up at the off-season activities as of right now. But as John pointed out, uh, if you don't show up, there are no forgiving of fines. You can say, well, when you come in, we're not, we'll, we'll, we'll waive all those fines. Can't do that anymore. What happens if they don't come to a contract agreement and we're into preseason for Aaron Donald with the Rams? Do you think he revisits that whole, I can walk away as a champion stance? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the fines because when he held out the first time, they, they forgave all the fines and, and paid him all that money, but they, they can't do that anymore. Although you could just kind of fold it into the contract. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I actually do think it is a legitimate threat. I, I mean, the guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer, got his ring, could keep his body healthy and, and probably live a, a happier rest of his life, even though, you know, it'd probably be tough to leave that much talent on the field and, and know, <clears throat> excuse me, you're still the best player at your position. Look, he signed a deal for $22.5 million in 2018 that is still the biggest money ever given to the position five years later. So I think he wants and deserves a, a true market-changing deal and, frankly, is looking out for other players as much as he's looking out for himself. Um, I think the Rams, they just have to get it done. But, yeah, if they don't, I actually do think, you know, I didn't believe Rodgers when he said he was going to retire. I didn't believe, you know, a lot of players. I actually could see him just walking off into the sunset and saying, all right, fine, That's it was a good career. That would be wild if they do that because he is still the number one player. Usually when guys walk away, they're not the number one player at their position at that time. Could be the case with Aaron Donald. Brad, great stuff. Always appreciate it when you come on. You absolutely uh, educate both John and I whenever you join us. Thanks for doing so today. Oh, we'll get you on again before the season gets underway. Thanks for doing it with us today. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brad. That is Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He is their cap expert, still contributes to overthecap.com. Uh, and uh, what he laid out that was most important was, as far as I'm concerned, got to give your owner props.
because yeah. the way that the yeah. Eagles manage their cap, Harry Roseman, cap expert, blah, blah, you have to be willing to lay the money out to be able to take advantage of being able to be patient and wait and put uh, your payments off to the future. Yeah, sometimes they get uh, called and come due, like Carson Wentz, 33 million dead cap hit. Uh, the owner's got to give him the money to begin with. He's got to be the one who signs off on the check. Yes, we can do this. We can make the team better right now, but we're going to have to pay a bill down the road. If the owner isn't accepting of that, it never even happens. AKA Cincinnati Bengals would never do anything like that. Jeff Floyd yeah. does. And he gives, gives the Eagles a fighting chance every single year with the fact that he is willing to put money into the future. All right. McMullen and McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on birds, three sixty five. Uh, coming up next hour, Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News going to hop aboard. I thought it'd uh, be good to get a giant spot in because James Bradbury comes down from New York. We'll get the lowdown from Pat as to how much of it was. Yeah, James Bradbury wasn't as good year two as year one. And maybe people think he's going backwards or how much of it was just cap related. As we were talking about Spielberger, that's what I think it is. I still think he's a top flight quarterback. And the Giants just got themselves in a bit of cap hell, and they needed to get out, and he was the easiest way to do it. Also, just how the offseason is going for Big Blue, because remember, they did beat the Eagles once last year. Uh, the NFC East rivals will do battle twice this year, not till the second half of the season. Uh, we'll talk Giant football and uh, J- James Bradbury with Pat Leonard a little bit later. When we come back, I've got a, believe it or not, Bud Grant point. And question ah, for Bud Grant, Mr. Bud Minnesota, Grant. Uh, John McMullen. He's uh, we'll do that next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? (laughs) Yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to ready, go to look, fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up! (laughs) 
She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hour number two of Birds 365. Roll it on this uh, Tuesday get-together, McMullen and McDonald together. Uh, J-Mac, what years were you a Viking beat guy? Uh, 90, I have to look at, uh, it's about 95 to 2000, early 2000 aughts man things run together it's about 90 denny green era the denny green, mike, era. Denny green mike tice era like, I, I i recognize things more by era than year jody sadly yeah, not a not a bad way to look at it um and uh, the time you were there i'm sure that bud grant was still a revered figure in minnesota Me still that be a fair figure. statement still Today, he's still a revered figure. I think he just had his birthday. It's like 90, 95. Yes, Grant. well <laughs> into his 90s and still making statements about the National Football League. Well into his 90s. The former Viking uh, head coach who got them to a Super Bowl just couldn't find a way to win one of those Super Bowls. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But uh, a guy who will... Bud Grant gets Nick Foles-like respect in Minnesota that uh, they will forever remember uh, what he did when he was there. He's in the news again. He's once again talking about, and I've, I've heard reports on this before, but he's, he's I guess somebody uh, brought it up and he was uh, somewhat outspoken about it, that he thinks the National Football League is missing the boat on touchbacks, uh, yeah, catches me and Bud. We're together on that, man. And kneel downs. Uh, I consider myself a bit of an old school guy. I think you're an old school guy. Certainly, Bud Grant is an old school guy. 
but you also have to be able to read the room. Maybe Bud is just doesn't care doesn't give to read the room what. anymore. Doesn't, doesn't give a you know what. Yeah. Um he's uh, so uh, motivated to be old school that he is completely either uh, disregarding of and or doesn't care about the fact that the National Football League has become a protective organization. They're, they they have gone out of their way to let everyone know how much they are worried about injuries and the like. A lot of it has to do with lawsuits that were filed against them by former players, concussion, CTE, and the like. In, at age 90, whatever he is, 92, 93, 94, Bud Grant is just coming out and going, yeah, you, you take your panties off, okay? All right, let's get back to playing football. Let's go blood and guts. I Well, well there's, yeah, I would say a lot. You, you said a lot of it is to future litigation. There's the only part we disagree, Jody. All of it is about future <laughs> litigation. Um, if I, thought, I can't, I can't go at 99%. I gotta I, go no, 100. I'm gonna go 100.0. If I could go to 110, I'd go to 110. So that's my problem with it. Look. I've always said, if you want to have the conversation, I'll have the conversation, but make it honest. I don't like the hypocrisy of it. They call me old school, call me whatever you want. Bud's the same way. Nobody eliminating, and they haven't eliminated, but they've effectively shuttered one of the most exciting plays in football, the kick return, to a degree where it just doesn't matter that much anymore. Um it is it, it hasn't made the game safer and they'll trot out these numbers and there are so many injuries on kickoffs and we've eliminated per percentage of kickoff it's all public relations it's all sleight of hand they haven't made the game um safer um oh, i've always they, said you really believe that oh i no, think they absolutely yeah. have made the game safer I, they've I also don't... made it more boring and they don't <laughs> want to acknowledge the boring aspect and taking exciting well, first, elements out of it. Here's what I'll say. First of all, you have to define safety, number one. That's fair. And 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 number two, their definition of safety is strictly head injuries. Like nobody cares about torn ACLs or torn pecs or, or torn Achilles or have you. And look, I get it. You know, long-term, Head injuries are certainly uh, apt to be more serious. Uh, but when people talk about safety, first of all, I don't even think they define safety correctly. And that's where I said, I'll have the honest conversation. Football is a violent game. And I respect, because there are certain people, uh, there's a writer by the name of Ir Irv Mushnick, and I've had uh, great debates with him on this. And he's one of those guys that says, we, we shouldn't play football. And I have tremendous respect for her. He, he mainly talks about it youth-wise uh, because of, of kids and they don't have the ability to make decisions. Adults should be able to do what they want to do. But, um, and, I, you know, I respect that. I do. I'll have that conversation. Um, you can't make a violent game unviolent. Can't do it. Can't do it. So, you know, if everybody knows it, and again, I'm talking about adults, if everybody knows what the game is, and oh, by the way, everybody knows what the game is, because I've the, the mentality of a 22-year-old player 
versus a 52, 62-year-old ex-player is the problem. Look, you don't care about any. Even, even people, everybody can relate to the fact. You can relate to it. I can relate to it. When we were 22 years old, we were kind of indestructible. You know, you're not worried about anything. And, you know, now that we're our age, Jody, you, you start to think about different things. You know, I got up today. My, my foot hurt. Why the hell? I don't know. I didn't do anything. Just thinking hurt. It sucks getting older. Um, so there's a different sort of mentality. But the hypocrisy of the whole thing that gets me, they're not making the game safer by eliminating kickoffs. What they can do is go into court and say, we're trying to make the game safer. Look, we've eliminated kickoffs. And here's the thing about the NFL. They know, and I, you've heard me say this, I'm sure, Jody. They know nobody's changing the channel, so they don't care. They can say, we'll do this, and we can, we can put this, and we have it as a legal argument. They're still going to watch. That's, that's where I think we are in the NFL. Nice. I, I'd love for the union, sorry, one more, and I'll, I'll let you go. I'd love for the union and, and the league to get together and admit this is a violent game. Let's get on the same page. People want to play it. You can play it. If you don't want to play it, don't play it. It's pretty simple to me. It, well, if it were that easy, it would be that simple, but it's not because the players want to reserve the right to potentially sue the league for major Everything's injuries. About money, yeah. right. right. So it's, it's not that simple. Um, here's where it is simple. I think they have actually made the game safer. I think they have done so for a very greedy reason, so as not to get sued down the road, not out of the goodness of their heart, not out of the protection of their players. No, they're protecting themselves for future lawsuits. And that's where the hypocrisy comes in because they always wrap it in our care for the health of our players. No, you don't. They're, they're, they're changeable parts for you in the long run that you're going to be able to cash in uh, billions of dollars for. Um, that's where the hypocrisy gets me. Not that they haven't attempted to make it safer. They have, and they've succeeded. But there is a reason, there's a method to their madness as to why they're doing it. And I think they always try and shroud it in something that it isn't really. But they don't acknowledge the fact that the game is more boring than it used to be. Because as you correctly pointed out, people don't care. Is it going to cut into the bottom line? Are people not going to come through their gates on a $100, $200, dollars ticket, whatever the going rate is these days because, man, I miss kickoff returns? No, nobody's not going to show up because they don't have kickoff returns. Are they not going to do unbelievable off-the-chart television numbers compared to everything else on TV today because the game is a little more boring than it used to be? No. They've been doing it for years and the numbers still hold up and the billions continue to roll in from the networks that are willing to pay those money. So they, they don't have to, they could admit it. You and I can talk about it here on birds 365. You're not going to get Jeff Laurie on the record to go. Yeah, I know the game isn't as exciting as it used to be because we've cut back on the number of plays where players are certainly at risk and head injuries and the like, because we want to protect ourselves. And you guys just lap it up anyway. So sorry about that. We got to cover <laughs> that, our own illegal backside here yeah. because you guys haven't told us we can't. Yeah, I like your description. You'll lap it up anyway. That's where they are. That's where the league is. And they're right. They'll lap it up anyway. But 
yeah, what I said before, look, I agree with you. They have, they have uh, somewhat uh, uh, lowered head injuries. Okay. You know, but that's part of my hypocrisy. When, when people talk about safety, then don't use the word safety, say head injuries, because in a lot of ways, this game is more dangerous than it's ever been as far as significant injuries. Um, one of the reasons I think, for instance, is, you know, these ramp up periods that they've talked about, nobody does anything. And all of a sudden it starts September, whatever, 9th, 10th, 11th, whatever. Yeah. It's always about money. You're you right. Know what that is John. Um, September, whenever. All right. Now go. Don't do anything. Now go full speed, a hundred four and boom. Achilles pack. I've never seen so many damn Achilles injuries. I, I don't remember as many. Now people have done the studies. Nobody cares about those studies. Nobody cares about the ACL studies. And when I say nobody, there's a few people. All they care about is head injuries. And look, I get it. But then talk about head injuries. We're, we're trying to limit head injuries. But go rip off each other's limbs. That's fine. <laughs> and that that's what I when I talk about hypocrisy, that's what I mean. I Safety you. is not in an a, a synonym for head injuries. Safety is safety in my method. And all they're trying to do is limit the litigation uh for future head injuries. And that's where look, you're right, because and that's why I bring up the difference between a 25-year-old and a 55-year-old. Um, when you're 25 and you get your bell rung, you don't give a crap. You're Malcolm Jenkins trying to get back on the field. You're trying to win. Um, when you're 55 and you can't remember where your keys are and you start to wonder, what what, what did what I, do I do to my here? body? It's different. I don't know how you fix that. Smarter people like than me can't fix that, but there is the hypocrisy part. And that's why I said, look, Jody, don't box, right? If you don't want problems later in life when it comes to cognitive issues, I would recommend not boxing. I would also recommend that's to the, that's a perfect example. Cause you know, you're going to get the, you know, what uh, beat out of you. And but I would also recommend if you're worried about that later in life, don't play professional football if you have the opportunity. But you know, it's but, hard for young people to to make that cost benefit analysis. And uh, it hasn't. Uh, we've we've seen a slight reduction in youth football around the country, but it hasn't had a major impact. I've not seen the talent drop in the National Football League uh, level of stars athletic players coming into the league. I think it's as good as, as, as it's ever been, even though the just gross numbers of youth football teams around the country have come down. The star players are still doing it, and they're still going to put their bodies at risk to have themselves NFL careers. And speaking of work, your point about uh, the fact that they just work less in the National Football League now. Why? Because they negotiated it into the CBA and the players could call that a victory. Hey, we don't have to practice as much as we used to. We're not getting quite as big a piece of the financial pie as we want, but at least we're not working as many hours. God bless them if the CBA, the players union thinks that that's a victory. The owners will give you that many less hours every time you turn around if you'll accept a smaller piece of the overall financial pie. Uh, Eagles are actually getting a little work in this week, John. Uh, this uh, 
optional training activity week. Uh, uh, they're in the second uh, second phase of OTAs. They're they're May thirty first. I think is their first on field official OTA sort of pseudo practice where they'll be running some you know seven on seven drills. <clears throat> Nick Sirianni's already said they're not going to do any team drills uh, in OTAs, but. May 31st is um, their first on-field official Phase 3 OTA. They have a couple early in June as well. Um, And then they'll be off until training camp. Um, Going down there today, they're going to have some media availability because next Tuesday is going to be their first uh, Phase 3 on-field OTA. Okay, so uh, what exactly, as best you know, are they doing today, tomorrow, whatever? It's not organized. It's not team. Uh, is it foul shooting? Is it tiddlywink? <laughs> no, what? yeah, I mean, they put some video out there. There's guys running routes and, you know, working on technique and fundamentals um, and things like that. Uh, group instruction individual drills they're allowed to do a little bit uh about but there's no team drills which the eagles aren't doing anyway there's no even and by team drills typically when you say that um you think of 11 on 11 but you also can't do any seven on sevens nine on sevens any traditional uh practice uh nfl mode so that doesn't come until phase three um Phase two is more conditioning, teaching, individual drills, fundamental stuff. Do we know for a fact that Aaron Tsipas is in attendance this week because he is the lone punter for the Philadelphia? What drills does he do at a workout like this to prove that he still should be the most punter at this stage? You know, I'm sure Aaron is there. I haven't seen him, but I'm sure he's there because why wouldn't he be there? But, uh, um, I don't know. Well, I, you know, Aaron, Aaron Donald should be at the Rams ones. And from what I understand, he's well, not. So it's think, not a but, given that everybody's going to show up. John, You can't just assume that somebody's going to show up, John. Yeah, that's true. But I think Aaron's got a little more cachet to go shopping for sconces than Aaron Seapost. <laughs> Although <laughs> I will say, um, you know, maybe I just talked about they don't do enough. Maybe in Aaron Sipas's case, they should be resting his leg because he was pretty good early in the season. You think and he ran the, out of gas? Is that, I that think what happened ran, to him in uh, December? I he think just he ran, ran out, out, of out of gas. I think he ran out of gas. He looked like he had a dead leg, Jody. Ran out of gas. I'll buy dead arms for pitchers in baseball. I'm sorry. I'm not. Well, why not? not? You can have a dead leg. Why? If you can have a dead arm, why can't you have a dead leg? Because there's a lot more stress on an arm when you're throwing a baseball than it is when you're punting a football. Uh, now I'm I'm not buying the dead leg theory. Sorry about that. There are certain guys who I get well. I think their- when Aaron, in 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 all seriousness, I think when he was trying to make the team, you know, he's probably kicking more than he should have. Um, you know, and a lot of that is you know off to the side. He would go to some practice fields in South Jersey and kick with uh, uh, Rick Lobato and, and, and Jake Elliott. He was, he was probably kicking too much leading up to the season, but that's just a thought, a theory. 
see, but this ties into the whole big conversation we're having. Then what would you actually like to see Aaron Sipas do? I'd like kick to see him in a shirt with chemistry. Less. If chemistry. he's kicking less, how do you know that he's even going to be up to the job when we don't get much workout and practices with teams as a group to begin with? I got no idea whether Aaron Sipas is going to be a legitimate NFL punter this year. I'd like to see some evidence of that, but you're telling me, no, 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 no. He's got to do less because he had a dead leg last year. Well, I'm I'm very surprised that the Eagles didn't bring in competition. Uh, I, I, You know, 90-man offseason roster, why not? Why not bring in some competition? And they would tell you that, well, the competition, we're watching everybody else in one training camp, and they'll get to see other punters. And they can bring in a – it's one of those positions where if you do need to replace somebody, they feel he, they can do it, like, right away. Like, you know, three days and they're ready to go. On so. the fly, yes. Uh, we got off on a little punting tangent. I promise to our next <laughs> Pat guest – Pat Leonard's in the green room. Go, they're talking about punters? I promise to our next guest, Pat Leonard – that my first question will not be, how is the giant punting situation? I might go punting. We, we Pat, will table that conversation with Pat Leonard of the New York Daily News. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment, and it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Tuesday throw there here on Bird Street 65 with McCollin and McDonald. Before you know it, the season will be rolling around. They will be doing battle in the NFC East, which means a couple of giant Eagles show, showdowns. Uh, got a chance to spend a couple minutes to talk about the newest Philadelphia Eagle. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. They did sign another cornerback yesterday. I just don't think he's going to have near as big an impact as the guy they signed last week. Coming down from New York to Philadelphia is James Bradbury. Here to give us some backstory on him and how things are going this offseason with one of the Eagles' key rivals, the New York Giants, is Pat Leonard. He covers them day in and day out for the New York Daily News. Mr. Leonard, how's your spring going? Jody Mack, doing well. John, good to be with you guys. Uh, exciting draft in the NFC East, right? So a lot to unpack. And everybody always says, how's your offseason? I say, well, there isn't much of one. I mean, we're already looking – at camp coming around the bend, it feels like. Yeah, it, it really is, Pat. It's amazing. One one of the things this league does so well is the calendar. Everything just kind of moves into something else rather seamlessly, and, and it keeps up the popularity of the sport. But let's talk about James Bradbury because you've got to see him up close, and there's this mentality. Obviously, two years ago, he was a Pro Bowl corner, Um Last year, a little bit of a step back. So Eagles fans are wondering, is that real? Is this a descending player that have something to do with, with what was going on defensively? Was he the same player, more of a zone corner? Can he play press? What did you see from James Bradbury, Pat? Well, Eagles fans will be glad to hear, John, that what I was told right after the season is he was dealing with a nag- nagging injury that nobody knew about, cost him some practice time. Um, you know, obviously you look for those things to be disclosed. If they're not, listen, it happens. The bottom line is uh, that's my understanding. The pro bowl caliber corner that the giants had was dealing with something throughout the year that he was managing. So he's playing through, uh, not necessarily an excuse for some of the misreads that he had, but also everybody in the giants defense was basically trying to clean up for each other as the ball, it was snowballing on you. The fact that the offense couldn't score. So on the Eagles, he gets healthy. He's also working with a much better offense that's going to have the ball more and score more points. And really, it's just a home run signing for the Eagles, in my opinion. I mean, the the interception he made in 2020 against the Bears, defending Allen Robinson and man-to-man coverage, arguably the best play any Giant has made in the last two seasons. Wow, that's a a bold statement. Um, Give me your read on this. I got my evaluation of Bradbury. You watch every single play and then you go home and you watch it four more times. I just watch it on Sundays. Um, And I think the the guy is a borderline pro bowl quarterback still. So I would believe that the giants made the decision to move on from Bradbury much more so because of salary cap purposes than his play actually going backwards this year. If you had to put a percentage on it, And it's, hey, new folks, they didn't sign him for the contract coming in. New coach, new general manager. They're just uh, evaluating somebody else's overall decision. Then they have to make their own as to how to handle them. 
how much of the parting ways with Bradbury was because of the giant salary cap situation and how much was because, all right, he's not quite worth what he used to be. We've seen a decline during the uh, course of his time with the Giants. It's a good question. I'll say 65-35, so salary 65, play 35. I have that 35 a little bit higher, I think, than most do, because at least my understanding was this was about a new regime coming in and looking at the player and saying, first of all, okay, what he gave us last year is not worth what we're paying him. So that was the money part. Certainly, they restructured his contract last year, which hurt that evaluation as well. But why Bradbury stayed away and wanted, basically wanted this resolved and wanted out was because he got a sense very early on from the new GM, new coach, new staff, that he wasn't wanted anymore. And so they could have looked into extending his salary to spread out his salary cap space, that kind of thing. They did not approach him with that option. And so they didn't have a place to go when Joe Shane was negotiating trades with teams. Bradbury wasn't in the mood, frankly, to acquiesce to anything that was below any kind of value he felt he wanted because there was an element of the organization saying, you're not the player we need you to be as well. So he has a chip on his shoulder, which I think he's going to fit in very well into Philadelphia, both with the chip and also with the fact that part of the reason he signed in Philly, there is no doubt in my mind, I can tell you, is because they play the Giants twice. Yeah, it, it, when you saw the contract, uh, Pat, and it was basically, it's basically one year with the ability to make up to $10 million, uh, about uh, 7.25, I think, guaranteed. He'll probably get to $10 million if he plays uh, the majority of games. I don't think those incentives are going to be too difficult. But when you saw the contract, did you think, wow, I thought, I thought Bradbury would get a little bit more? Did you think that's what it should have been? Obviously, the calendar hurts if he were cut a little bit earlier when teams hadn't budgeted and had full offseason rosters maybe would have been a little bit different. What did you think of the contract? I think you hit the nail on the head with how long the Giants held on to him past the start of free agency. You had teams like the Chiefs who and the Colts, let's say, who were waiting and basically counting on Bradbury to take a below-market deal to join a team that they feel, listen, we're in Super Bowl contention. The Houston Texans wanted him badly. What, I, what opened my eyes was Bradbury choosing the Eagles because at that juncture, when you're the player and you know you're not making as much money as you would have made, let's say, two months ago, you think, OK, he's, if he's taking less money, he's just going to join a team that he thinks can win. And so choosing the Eagles over some of the other teams that were interested in him, I think, speaks to how he thinks the team can do. Uh, there's certainly a huge element, like he said to John Clark right off the bat when he landed in Philadelphia, you know, yeah. the scheme fit with Gannon is a major piece of it too. But uh, what opened my eyes was that he picked a team that he felt could win. He didn't okay a trade to the Texans because he didn't want to be locked in with another rebuilding team. He picked a team in Philadelphia. And the, frankly, the money, I think he, he would have ideally rather made the 10 million back he was going to make in salary and just gotten that flat. But the calendar, like you said, affected, he has to get that with incentives now and not with the base salary. All right, Pat, I want to ask you about the new giant secondary. Because that's what's going to be this year. Uh, several times last year, when asked about the Giants, I would say, well, I think the strength of the team is actually their secondary. I think that's where they actually hold up best. Dory Jackson, Bradbury, Logan Ryan. I thought they had a dynamite safety. Even a Jabril Peppers was a guy who I thought was sitting on a bigger year than he had last year. 
they basically turned over the entire secondary out of necessity, out of scheme, out of finances. Uh, do you think the Giants have any chance in the Dory Jackson still there, but, oh, he'll become a cap casualty next year. Um, uh, the, the turnover that they've had in their secondary, how quickly will it be implemented? Do they have a chance to be as good as they were last year with the newer, younger, less expensive guys will be playing for them? No, I think it's a major concern, Jody. And I think Don Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, he, his MO is to send the house and to blitz and to generate pressure. That's what they're going to have to do. They draft Kayvon Thibodeau. They have Leonard Williams, Azizo Jolari up front. They're going to need to get to the quarterback because in the back end right now, you lose Bradbury, your number one corner. They're counting on Adoree Jackson to be a number one corner, but the Titans let him walk into free agency as a former first-round pick for a reason. So far, he has not shown he can be that. And really, you look at the safety position, you lose Logan Ryan. They didn't have to cut Logan Ryan. They did it for a variety of reasons. They didn't want him in the locker room uh, and all that. But now they have kind of a hole at strong safety where Julian Love right now projects to step up. He's going to probably factor into a rotation with a rookie they drafted out of Iowa, Dane Belton, who's more in the realm of like the Jabril Peppers down around the line of scrimmage type guy. They got a undrafted free agent, Yusuf Corker from Kentucky, who's having a pretty good spring right now. Xavier McKinney is the best player back there, but he's only um, a second year or a third year <clears throat> player. Um, so frankly, that's the weakness. And so when I saw the AJ Brown trade come down, I look at the Eagles versus the Giants with those two late season games. And I say, regardless of what the Giants are doing well, I don't think they can cover the Eagles receivers. And so if Jalen Hurts just puts the ball on the money, I don't envision the Giants beating the Eagles unless those pass rushers get to the quarterback. But the Eagles offensive line obviously projects very well. Well, let's talk about that pass rush, Pat, because it, it does. There's some names that kind of jump out at you. And it, it starts, obviously, when you draft as highly as they did, uh, you get a talent like Kayvon Thibodeau. And we'll talk about Evan Neal as well. But uh, Dexter Lawrence is a good player. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, where is he in sort of his development? I remember talking to Jody last year about Kadarius Tony being drafted in the first round and Ojolari being drafted in the second. I wasn't a big Tony fan, but I said to Jody, you know what? If you took Ojolari where they took Tony and took Tony in the second round, I'd be fine with it. So is he developing into sort of a player? Because I see some names there that maybe they could have something with the pass rush, especially with Wink Martindale, as you mentioned. There's a guy who's got a history of, of, of finding pass rushers. Agree with you on the draft point there, no doubt. And honestly, there's a bit of a comparison between Ojolari fell because of some injury concerns people had about a knee. You look at N'Kobe Dean and what the Eagles did, yeah. taking him way lower than people expected. Teams had concerns about an injury, something similar there. He had eight sacks as a rookie, but did not consistently produce. And, and you know, John, you see a lot of rookies that even if they flash sometimes, they kind of get washed out by the amount of snaps they play and the caliber of play they're facing. One thing Aziz does well when he's playing well is set the edge. And he actually, when he's playing better run defense, it kind of bleeds into the rest of his game. And so if he can just do that while Thibodeau becomes like the number one pass rusher that Martindale can unleash, hopefully, and get in mismatches, that's how the Giants pass rush can take an uptick forward. Um, I do think they lost a guy, Austin Johnson, in the interior as kind of a rotational piece. Justin Ellis is now there. 
Not sure if they're going to lose something or gain something there, but certainly they're counting. Ojolari gained 10 pounds of muscle, muscle in the offseason um, already. He is bulked up. Uh, we saw him at the podium the other day, and so they're counting on those edges and then the D.C. to kind of mix and match, again, to protect the secondary because that other outside corner should have mentioned. Right now, the guy who projects there is Aaron Robinson, um, a third-round corner out of Central Florida, Alabama transfer who's got some potential and physicality, but kind of was grabbing a lot last year when he was playing. So there's a big hole back there. Hope They hope those guys up front, they're counting on Thibodeau, frankly, uh, to be the dude right away. Let me ask you about Evan Neal. Uh, they take Thibodeau at number five, come back at Evan Neal, who I think was the best offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, so both of the Giants' first-round picks, I thought, were not only very good players, but also good value. Are they going to play Evan Neal over on the right side? Are they going to stick with Thomas on the left? Is it a to-be-determined, let's-decide-it-on-the-field decision? We assume those are your two tackles, your two number-one draft picks at that at those positions over the last couple of years. How's it going to shake out once the season starts? Which is going to be on which side? Yeah, Jody, interestingly enough, we saw them at their first full-team OTA, Evan Neal, first-team first right tackle. So he's there at right tackle. You have Mark Lewinsky at right guard, the free agent signing. John Feliciano, the center. Shane Lemieux looks like he's getting first crack at left guard, coming off leg injury and surgery. And then Andrew Thomas is your left tackle. Corey Cunningham actually was lined up there in their first OTA because Thomas had another ankle surgery that he's expected to be fine, but he's actually not on the field. The most instructive thing to me there, though, is with Thomas sitting out right now, they don't have Neil working at left tackle just in case he's still over there on the right side, because that's where he's going to start come Sunday in week one. That offensive line, Pat has been an issue for years and, you know, for the people holding out hope uh, uh, on Daniel Jones, um, making sort of that late run to be that um, I don't want to say franchise quarterback, but at least, competent uh, uh, starting quarterback in this league. If you start getting the offensive line fixed, and obviously there's tremendous talent outside, specifically with Neil and Thomas, um, the interior doesn't look great on paper. Uh, is part of Daniel Jones's struggles have to do with that offensive line over the years, or is that making excuses? It's a little bit of both. It even goes back to Eli Manning, where some of it was on the line, some of it was on the quarterback, couldn't make the throws anymore. It's the same with Daniel Jones. Like, really, the Giants' problem is the red zone, John. Like, Jones makes a lot of throws to move the team down the field with pressure, without pressure. When they get inside the 20, everything short circuits. Uh, guys can't get separation. They can't protect a guy another play. He's right on in Daniel Jones's lap. And then there's also plays where he has plenty of time to make a decision and just can't make the right read or doesn't or holds the ball too long or lets go of it too early and doesn't let the play develop. Um, you know, their line, I'm, I agree with you. I'm skeptical that their line is quote unquote fixed. I'll tell you what Brian Dable is showing right now that he's going to do. They're going to throw the ball to Saquon Barkley about 3000 times. <laughs> They're going <laughs> to swing him out into the flat. They're going to move the pocket. They're going to run RPOs. Jones is going to run some keepers, uh, which he did under with Jason Garrett. But what we see right now in practice is, Yes, they're going to try to give him time to make those throws that he proves he can when he has the time. But I don't think they're going to wait and find out if they can do that play after play. I think Dable is going to use his running backs a lot. 
And so it projects when you play Jonathan Gannon's defense, it's going to be a lot on the linebackers, the Eagles safeties to get out there, to get out in space, to make those tackles, to gang tackle, to not let a player like Barkley operate. And even Wandale Robinson, the rookie that they drafted uh, out of Kentucky, who's more of a gadget player. Don't let those guys get free. Cause I think the giants know, even though they're projecting right now, there's a ton of confidence in their new line. Like you said, the interior especially is still not fixed. Despite RPOs and keepers that you just added into the mix uh, right now, assuming health for Daniel Jones, that none of those somewhat risky plays put him at risk and he ends up getting hurt. Assuming health, does he start all 17 games this year? Is there a chance that Tyrod Taylor could be handed the reins to the Giants this season if it's somewhat obvious that okay Daniel Jones not the future quarterback of the Eagles maybe we go with another guy just to mix it up and take another look at things how many games do you think Taylor's going to start for the Giants this year boy that, that's a good question Jody I, I think that the Giants are would get the most out of and will just ride out as much Daniel Jones as they can as long as he's healthy the question as you said is whether he will stay right. healthy but I'm not sure I'm not sure if it's going to benefit them late season if things aren't going well to start Tyrod to win a few games, especially when it's going to hurt your drafts, draft picks. I mean, teams like the Eagles, Seahawks, Texans, they have two first-round picks to go up and get these QBs. If the Giants' season goes in the tank, they might as well let it keep going there to try and end up with a higher pick to get that next quarterback. By the way, Tyrod Taylor, I see him in practice, is very short which surprises me. I, he's much shorter in person. I see him uh, than when I watch him on the field. But yeah, I think the veteran is there more for if the season is going well, they feel like they can win and Jones gets banged up rather than just pulling the plug on him four or five games into a okay. lost year. Uh, Pat, I think a lot of people look at the Giants and say what you just said. You know, you get late in the year with these two Eagles games and maybe the Giants aren't, you know, thinking about maybe they're thinking about the draft more than winning those two particular games. Is there a path for this team to be better than people expect? Um, You know, I always joke, if you draft at the top of the draft uh, a bunch, you know, eventually the worm is going to turn because you're, you're bringing in some significant talent and you can make an argument that the two best football players offensively and defensively in this draft are on the New York Giants from a pure pure football standpoint. They're they're adding some talent. How far off are they from being a contender if they fix the quarterback position? Right. Yeah, to your point, I think the last time a team had two first-round picks this high was the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward, and then they end up going to the playoffs a few years later, but they end up getting there. Um, you know, I think the – Right now, listen, the Giants, I think they understand who they are. Last year, they thought they could win the division, go to the playoffs. I think right now they know that they still have a ways to go. Brian Dable actually can't stop saying it. You know, we still have a long way to go. (laughs) Um, For the same reason, though, that I think the Eagles, you know, could get home field, let alone win the division, I think the Giants could get a few extra wins based on their schedule. And it, it sets up very favorably with AFC South playing teams like the Detroit Lions. The NFC East obviously is still favorable. The problem for the Giants is compared to the Eagles, the Giants are also one of those teams, yeah. right? Like 
you can't look at a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Giants and say we're clearly the better team because Trevor Lawrence, if he could easily, I would make the argument, I think most people would, outplay Daniel Jones on a, on a Sunday, and there goes that game. So I think that the, the Giants have an opportunity. I think the over-under I've seen in a lot of places is seven wins. I still like the under on that, but there is a chance if they stay healthy with Barkley looking right now like he's healthy to get towards that number because of the fact that they're playing some favorable games. But health, like you said, and like we're talking about, is a big thing with them. It's not just health of their starters. It's also who's replacing them. You know, that brings me back to Bradbury with the Eagles. Like, you know, if Darius Slade gets hurt, you still have the number one corner on your roster. So the, the Giants don't have that element at a lot of key positions. All right, we talked about the top two picks in the draft as well. We should for the Giants at number five and number seven, Thibodeau and Evan Neal. But they had something that the Eagles didn't have this year, which is quantity. The Eagles decided to sell off some of their picks, trade off some of their picks to get quality. A guy like A.J. Brown is in the draft pick, but a draft pick lands them a top 10, 12 wide receiver. The Giants instead held on to their picks and even added a couple of more how do they feel about their draft after the top two? We all know about the top two, and they've got to step in and play and contribute, if not be stars, right off the bat. How did the Giants feel about the rest of their draft, the early returns, guys showing up in camp, that they like what they see out of their new players? Yeah, so Wandale Robinson, who we mentioned from Kentucky, the second rounder. Now, I've talked to a lot of people who thought they drafted him too high. But like we talked about with Saquon Barkley, I think he he's a former running back at Nebraska, played some running back receiver at Kentucky. I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. You're going to see him with the ball in his hands a lot. He's only 5'8", but they're excited about him. They scouted him. What you found with the Joe Shane's first draft with the Giants, a lot of the players they spent a lot of time on are also guys they drafted. So they really dug in. So even if it looks like they drafted him higher than a lot of people had him on their board, they were players they felt – they had defined roles in mind for them. Some of them are developmental offensive linemen. They got Josh Azudu, uh, the offensive guard out of North Carolina. Still a question whether he's going to be able to contribute a ton right away. But I think more an eye on development, development with the offensive line with him and Marcus McKeithen from North Carolina. Because it's not just about now for the Giants. It's about the future as well. And Dane Belton's an interesting name, I think, to keep an eye on, too. Uh, as well as Daniel Bellinger, the tight end. But Belton's kind of one of those slash guys in the secondary who is a good blitzer. You'll see him after the quarterback a lot. Cordell Flott, they like that corner from LSU as well. But you can tell he needs to put some muscle on and some meat on those, those young bones probably before he factors in regularly. Uh, they did bring in Darren Evans, though, as an undrafted free agent, another LSU corner who played with Flott. And so you could be looking at a future pairing on the outside in Evans and on the inside in Flott for the Giants for years to come there as well. Pat, you mentioned uh, Saquon a little bit, and they're going to throw the ball to Saquon a lot. They're going to hand the ball to Saquon a lot. Is We know the talent. Um, is there sort of, you know, this mentality with running backs, if, hey, you know, they're not going to be there next year. You might as well run them into the ground. Is is that the Giants' plan? Is that, uh, is, you know, give them the ball 300 times and see what happens? That's what it looks like, John. Uh, you know, it, it, that, I'm glad you brought that up because it really is a, a kind of a unique situation where, you know, he's in his contract year, fifth-year option. 
you know, it's kind of obvious, it seems to me anyway, that he's not going to get paid here. And will he get paid elsewhere? He has a lot on the line as far as staying healthy and producing. Now, obviously, if he stayed healthy, got the ball as many times as the Giants plan on giving it to him, maybe they do have a decision to make there. But I believe that he's looking at kind of an audition for the team that signs him in free agency next spring. So will that help the Giants here? I think they're going to try to get the most out of him that they that they want. All right. I need to go back to the quarterback position one more time. And I'm on record, not a Daniel Jones fan. I haven't been from the day he was drafted. So nothing has changed there. But I was a little surprised by the Giants this offseason. Not that they signed Tyrod Taylor. I think he's a good backup quarterback. Nice signing for them. They didn't draft a QB. Now, the Eagles didn't either, but they got Carson Strong after the draft as an undrafted free agent that some people thought was worthy of a draft pick. He's got a chronically bad knee. If he doesn't hurt his knee, he's going to be a real nice addition as an undrafted guy. Giants didn't go down that road. Did that surprise you? What is their line of thinking there? I, not, not Daniel Jones this year. We're definitely going into the draft next year. Why no uh, additions into the quarterback room via the draft this year for the Giants? Jody, it would have surprised me, except John Mara came right out at Joe Shane's introductory press conference at New GM and said that it would surprise him if Jones wasn't the week one starter. And we've let this kid down. And so you could hear in that moment, not only was the owner hoping to run it back with Jones, you could hear that all of the interviews that they had with their, I think, nine GM candidates, the Giants wanted to hear their candidates say, we think we can get more out of Daniel Jones. Let's give it another year. Now, to Joe Shane's credit, he and Brian Dable still did homework on the quarterbacks in this draft. I am with you, though, Jody, on once it got later in the rounds, <clears throat> when these guys started falling, it did yeah, surprise it, there's me. There's the quarterback to replace yeah. Daniel Jones this yeah. year. And then there's the future. And they didn't even touch the – how do you come away with, with uh, right now, Davis Webb is your third-string quarterback and no future potential quarterback – on the roster. And you know, you make it, and this is the other point too. Evan Neal, listen, once he's there at seven, the Giants say, well, we, you know, we got to take him here. But the ideal scenario for them, if they were going to go this risky route they did and not really shoring up that position behind him with a young developmental player, was to trade back and get another first round next year to compete with all these other teams that might be coming up for a QB. So they did not get that. So now they're in this. They're really putting themselves behind the eight ball of we need Daniel Jones to work out. If he doesn't, we don't have a backup plan at the moment, which is dangerous ground to, to tread, obviously. Uh, Pat, last one from me and follow Pat at P Leonard NYDN. You can read them in the New York Daily News. Uh, PL on NFL on TikTok and Instagram. I like that one, uh, Pat. PL on NFL. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, you covered the Giants, so you've had, you know, you've been through the ringer when it comes to coaches. You got like <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So I want to hear your first impressions on on Brian Dayball and this staff. Our old friend Mike Kafka is the the offensive coordinator. Uh, Wink Martindale, you mentioned the defensive coordinator. Yeah. You think the Giants finally got it right? Uh, your early impressions of this staff. I I think. I think Dable's clearly going to help the offense. I mean, they have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> but I do think he's going to help them in that regard. I'm still in wait-and-see mode on 
the head coach he will be. And what I mean by that is all these coaches, like you said, who've been cycled through in two years and out, Dable's going to face some adversity. And they open with the Titans on the road, first seed in the AFC last year. You start losing games early. How do you deal with that? How do you handle that? He's handling the honeymoon period well. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go once the losses start piling up, as I expect. Interesting dynamic that Joe Shane came right out when he got hired and Dable got hired. And the GM, who has a lot of power here, said he would prefer the head coach did not call the offensive plays, which my ears went way up. Like, yeah, wait a second. I, yeah GM, same here. Yeah. You can't make that call. So right now, Kafka's calling the plays in practice into the quarterbacks here into Daniel Jones' ear. Almost seems like Dable's in wait and see, hoping that, okay, if Kafka's delivering the, way, the game plan the way I want it, he's going to call the play. That's what it looks like. And I got from Kafka last week when we talked to him the, the sense that he wasn't just going to go anywhere for a job where he wasn't going to call plays. Like he, A lot of people think he's going to maybe be a one-and-done head coach candidate. Yeah, but yeah. He wanted to go somewhere to call plays. So if Brian Dable's not calling the offensive plays, now he has to be the head coach because he's not in the headset. So that's a, that's a curious um, part of the dynamic. And the last thing real quick, Wink Martindale wanted to be the head coach here a couple of years ago when Judge got, Judge got hired. He interviewed. It actually went really well, and the Giants really liked him. Now he gets fired from Baltimore. So talk about a chip on his shoulder. Really interesting dynamic. Um, uh, my understanding, he's a really good guy, but always seems to have a scowl on his face. He's an older coach, but has a yeah. lot to prove, you can tell. And so you mix that all into a pot, and it's going to be an interesting year, even if it's not a winning year. And, oh, by the way, the Giants do play uh, Baltimore this year. So that should be an interesting game. Wink against his former mates, kind of like the Eagles playing the Indianapolis Colts and maybe Nick Foles coming off the bench. Uh, we, we were discussing that earlier in the show. All right, last thing for me on the Giants schedule. I hadn't really broken it down much. I'm just looking at it here. Really different type scheduling. Uh, from week 12 on, they play five of their six divisional games. They only have one game, third game of the season against an in-division rival in the first 11 weeks of the season. And then the rush comes late, playing the Eagles, playing the Commanders, another Dallas game. Did the NFL schedule makers do the Giants a favor by holding their divisional game tonight late, or did they do an injustice to them by saying, yeah, you don't have to worry about any individual. Oh, but we're going to pile on late with all these rivalry games. Jody, that's a good question. I, I think they do them a favor in the sense that it's an opportunity because if you have all those division games left at this, uh, in the end part of your schedule, it gives the team an opportunity to, even if they're struggling a little bit, you can make up a lot of ground quickly with those head-to-head wins in division. So I do think they help them, though from the Giants and from an NFL team's point of view, you can also say the later on in the season, the less likely we're fully healthy. Now, obviously, you can say that about both teams on either side of the the coin, too. Um, But, you know, the Giants, if they're out of it and trying to prove something, you're going to be, in my mind, going up against, you know, an Eagles team twice that's that's in the playoff race, if not already in the playoffs and trying to prove something and hit its stride. And so. You know, I think it's an opportunity for the Giants, but it also might pin you not at full strength against some teams that are rolling. Pat, here's good news for you. You're coming down the turnpike in January. 
better than uh, some having to go fly across country late in the season. All you got to do is get on the turnpike and come down here for the final game of the season. We appreciate your streaming in and joining us today. You always bring good insight. Thanks for doing it with us today. I love coming on with you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pat. We will be getting Pat on again. Good uh, New York Giant reporter. And, man, he's a straight shooter. He told you today that uh, he's looking at the under for the Giants. The over-under number is not all that big at seven. He's leaning under right now. Some guys who cover a team put those team-colored glasses on. Not Pat Leonard. He gives you the true skinny. All right, uh, we're coming back. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, we need to put a bow on this show. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. All right, clock's ticking on us here on Birds 365. We only got a couple of minutes left. 
And then John McMullen's got to go to work. I got some things to do around the house here, but I don't have to go to work till tonight when I hop on WIP after the Phillies. Uh, you have to make your way over to the Novacare Complex because Eagles, some Eagles will be made available. Um, have you gotten an email and or a text yet to let you know what available Eagle players will be there for you to uh, uh not not yet, Jody. Um uh, it's gonna be about twelve thirty ish. So, you know, two and a half hours. That's a lot. They haven't made so, their mind up yet. So. All right. I I, I, get... I do think uh Bradbury, James Bradbury will be made available. Um other than that, I'm thinking it might be coordinator day, but that's okay. just a hunch. because um, right, I, I did this with you last week. And damn, if you didn't hit it out of the park, McMullen, you just ticked off the names one after the other. Your only misstep was listening to Ed Kratz suggesting yeah. uh, Fletcher Cox could be among the group. And Otherwise, we, if it's just players, we, we're, we're going to have to start recycling. Uh, we're going to have to start uh, going going back to the I, – I can't seem going much farther on the depth chart. Uh, and you know, one one guy we haven't mentioned, we should mention Jimmy Moreland before we get off the air. Who? Uh, who? <laughs> the Eagles' eleventh cornerback on yes, the roster right yes. now is that who you're referring to? Picking him up on waivers uh, from the Houston Texans. Um, yeah, I I will say, you know, look, don't get too excited about Jimmy Moreland because the Texans aren't exactly the most talented team of the world, and they're waving him in May. Uh, number one, but I will say between Bradbury, which is much more important than Moreland, that 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 competence in the young corners that they were spewing week after week after week that has not turned out to be true. No, they signed Bradbury and they just keep reaching back in on the waiver wire for more guys. Doesn't bode well for the Tay Gowans of the world. Just my own opinion. All right, last thing you said, coordinators. One. Two, three. Are you going to get your special teams coordinator? Will there be an Aaron Sipos question today? Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, if Michael Clay is going to be up there, he's getting an Aaron Sipos question. No, no doubt about it. And he's going to say, "There's always competition from outside the the the, the Novacare complex." Mm. Dave Fipp used to say the same thing. Will Will you get Michael Clay today? If we get the coordinators, we're going to get Michael Clay. You're getting yeah. all of them. Okay. We, we shall see. Last week, you did a great job at projecting and predicting who would be made available. We'll see who is made available, and then we'll be talking about them here tomorrow on Birds 365. J-Mac, I'm going to be here tomorrow morning. I take it you as well? If I make it back from the Novacare Complex, let's, let's, let's plan on it. Let's pencil it in, as they say in football. No, no right-hand turns off the Walt Whitman Bridge, okay? Yeah, see if you can get back there tomorrow. <laughs> uh, McMullen and McDonald will be back here with another episode of Bird 65 in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.